This is Let's Talk Business with your hosts, Mark Ebinger and Howie Nestel. Now, here's Mark. Welcome to Let's Talk Business, the show that talks entrepreneurship with some of the best businesses in the San Antonio area. Coming up on the show today, we're going to talk with Jennifer Cavazos, the executive director of Discovery Camps that provides camp programs for children with cancer and their families. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mark. I'm really excited to be here today. Yeah, I, uh, I had some fun researching your company and what you guys do there and the different programs you guys have. Mm-hmm. I'm super excited to talk about it. So Yay. welcome. I love we're talking gonna, about camp. We're also <laughs> going to talk about or talk with Michael Goldberg, the owner of Efficient Fleets, a company that specializes in GPS tracking services. Michael, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Mark. I'm glad to be here. In studio with us today is Howie Nestel, the owner of Sharkmatic Advertising, where he and his team have helped over 1,500 clients grow their marketing influence. Howie, great to see you as always. Hey, great to be here and great to have you back after vacation. Yeah, I know. Did, did you not shave today? I did not shave today. I'm trying to follow a pattern here. I'm going to have a you beard grow like you. I'm going to wear a long sleeve shirt next week. So, Is your beard gray? It is. It is, man. Mine. It is. Well, there you go. Yeah. It's good to be back. <laughs> And I'm your host, Mark Evinger, the owner of Krukus Marketing Agency, a company that specializes in giving small businesses really a competitive edge by hiring low-cost administrative specialists from outside the U.S. with all the advantages that come there. Quick reminder for our listeners, you can catch video and podcast versions of the show anytime by visiting our website at satalkradio.com, which has... Just so you know, it's a little bit larger picture of me than the than, than Howie. Right, <laughs> and record. you're sitting off alone on this side. <laughs> but we got another co-host coming on, Genevieve Sims. So I'm gonna have to put her up there somewhere. I'm not quite sure where. Okay. I'm gonna put her yet. Tower of the Americas. Right. I'm gonna have to crowd her in over there with. Uh, yeah, with a, with a, with a, with a <laughs> lower with a lower level co-host. <laughs> <laughs> Double the size. Uh, yeah, right. Make me bigger and everybody else smaller. Oh my gosh. That's right. <laughs> All right. If you're a business owner in the San Antonio area and would like to have, to come on the show, uh, visit our website at satalkradio.com or call our office at 210-879-8804. That's 210-879-8804. And we can get you scheduled to come on. So, Howie, I know this is something you're like super passionate about. You spend a lot of time with non-charitable organizations. Um, you talk about them a lot. I know you're passionate about it. So, But let's talk about some of the benefits of a business owner getting involved with that. Uh, why, I mean, because it's time, it's money, it's effort, it's those things. Why would a business owner, you know, really, they should make it a priority to become involved in something like that. Why is that? So before I answer that, I want to talk about all the things we have in common. All of us have a little gray hair. You were pointing out yours. I see Michael's. I see your beard. The other thing is we all know each other. Obviously, Mark, you and I know each other, but Michael and I are cousins, and we've done work together for more than 10 years. And so Sharkmatic does some of his marketing. And then I am on the board of directors at Jennifer's organization at Discovery Camp. So, and we've known Mm -hmm. each other for many, many years. So it's nice to be here with all these more senior people Mm -hmm. with experience. (laughs) And I think that to answer your question, the longer you've been in business, the more you realize that money is not the only driver and not the only way of keeping score And so you want to, as an entrepreneur, not only have a successful business, but you want to be able to give back and do philanthropic endeavors because then you're also depositing into your spiritual or emotional bank account. And the ironic thing about it is that the more nonprofit stuff you do, the more likely your business is to do well, not only because of God, karma, and mother nature, but also because you get to connect with entrepreneurs and philanthropists 
in a way that's very different than just doing business with them. And so, you know, we're fortunate at Discovery Camps where we've had a few uh, multi-hundred million dollar and billionaire philanthropists that I would not have ever really met had it not been through nonprofit endeavors. So you get to connect with people at a different level because their guard is down. Now you get together for this common good, in this case, helping uh, children who are battling cancer to go to sleep away summer camp or to have summer camp experiences inside of, inside of hospitals. And you get to lock arms or rub elbows with them in these kinds of situations. And, and uh, the guard is sort of let down because you're not in a business negotiation. Well, and there's so a, that's always important. There's a feel-good component to this too, right? I mean, because, you, you know, you're giving back. Obviously, I, I know you touched on that lightly. But also, um, when it comes to connecting with business owners and motivating, this is an area that you're kind of in, right, Jennifer? I mean, you, you have to – you're talking to people and you want to encourage them to become a part of what you're doing. How do you do that? Correct. It's just the easiest way for me to do it is just to tell the story of camp. And once you get connected to that and you, especially if you meet the kids and their families and see what it is that they're going through, it's, it's really hard not to want to give to that and to be part of that. And it's just, for me, the, the, the easiest way for me to connect with people that I'm trying to get involved is just to, to, like I'm doing here today, to tell the story of camp and what we're all about and why, why it's needed. So this is an oncology camp that started 40 years ago where we're having our 40th mm -hmm. birthday. Yes. And it was all to help kids going through a tough time battling cancer to have these forever experiences, mm -hmm. right? Yes, it was... Um, I'll, I'll just tell you a little bit about the history of how we got started. Back in 1984, the we were originally um, sponsored by the American Cancer Society, and they wanted to put together a camp for kids with cancer because the American Cancer Society had other camps like that across the country. And so the San Antonio-Austin um, office wanted to, to do that for kids in our area. So they went looking for a camp that would host children with cancer, and they got turned away by several camps because campsites didn't want the liability of taking care of, of, of seriously ill children. And so they were finally able to find a camp that gave them a chance, YMCA Camp Flaming Arrow in Hunt, Texas, which unfortunately is not in business anymore. Um, since the pandemic, they, they have sold that property and aren't in operation anymore. But in 1984, there was a young man working at the camp that summer um, named Joey Cavazos who was my late husband, um, and he, his boss tasked him with putting, helping the ACS put together this first camp program for Camp Discovery. He was still in college at the time, went back and finished, um, and went on to a uh, career in law enforcement with the Bear County Juvenile Department, but he had fallen in love with the kids that first summer. Like I was saying earlier, when you meet these kids and their families, it's just does something to you. Yeah, and that's he, one of those things we talk about. It's if you meet a child battling cancer, it'll change your life forever. Right. Why is that? What, what is it about that meeting that changes you? It, when you see, when you, when you, you see a kid and you know that they have cancer and every one of us knows somebody, whether you've been affected by it um, directly or not, every one of us knows somebody who's been affected by cancer and you know the kind of horrible things that kind of, you know, the, the treatments and all of the everything that has to go through that. But when you see these kids at camp, half the time you don't even know. 
that they're sick. They just, they're so resilient and they are so hopeful and just the zest for life that they have in spite of what is going on in their life. It's just, it, it just, it's just incredible. And it's, well, there's, I guess, humble, it's humbling. It's very right? humbling. And, yeah. and it's also inspiring and it's joyful, right? I mean, yes. all of those things would be kind of mixed in there. Michael, have you, what kind of charity or nonprofit stuff are you involved in? Um, this time, nothing, unfortunately. All right. Well, you're gonna nothing get other hook than up with Jennifer. I, after other right. than, other than when I send them, when I send them a link to something. Hey, Michael, you want to go to this? Let's go to this. For well, sure. see, like yeah. if you ask me, I'd be like, well, I have nonprofits on my show. That's kind of what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, that's I, uh, how I, I help. used to do a lot of volunteer for um, for Meals on Wheels, and uh, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and that's that's a great organization as well. But um, but yeah, unfortunately, uh, the business uh, and family that's my charity. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, you got to raise they proper kids, kids, right? There you go. You're your your own self, not for profit. Yeah. We can donate to you. Donate to me. My, my, <laughs> go fund me, Michael Goldberg. Go fund me. And then uh, it's easier to give money sometimes. Yeah. So you know, well, but and that's perfectly fine. <laughs> well, yeah, but let me let me uh, let me go back here for a second because uh, there's a camp in Wimberley called Camp Young Judea, and you you know your kids have gone there. You've gone there, done some of the adult retreat stuff, and I know that with. Uh, efficient fleets you actually provided gps tracking for some of them for some of their vehicles so that's a way that your business is actually giving back and contributing Mm -hmm. to a nonprofit without you having to stroke a big check so there you go that's how i do it too man it's like and howie one of the most profound things that that you've said to me about what not to me directly but just in in general that i picked up on is about how when you can you know, you leverage your talents and your skills in your business to help. That's a great place to be. That's that's something to be, uh, you know, proud of and embrace. So we'll think about exactly. this, right, Mark? You can charge somebody a few hundred dollars for the footage from this show, and they can use that for their own social media. Now, if I came to you and you know now because of this show and more than 10,000 viewers – you know a lot of people. So if everybody came to you and said, hey, we're doing this little fundraiser, this little charity, you wouldn't have the money, either the, you might have it, you may not have the interest in writing checks to all of them. But what if you had somebody like Jennifer Cavazos from Discovery Camps, and then you give her access to this footage, and then they use that to help tell their story in a more public way on social media, and then they get donors from it, that'll be 10x any check you would have written. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And there you are leveraging your expertise, your business, the podcast, and promoting a nonprofit at the same time. Which is all huge, right? It's all important. Exactly. All right, so let's get into the uh, first segment. So, Jennifer, we're going to – I know you started to get into your story a little bit. Uh, the start of all of this, I know there's mm-hmm. going to be a great story there. Yeah, but and let- I will tell you, though, the time goes by so fast that I would jump forward to all the fantastic things that Discovery Camp is doing in the different programs. Because we know the start was 40 years ago, and now what's happening these days. Sounds good. You know? All right, first up on the show is Jennifer Cavazos, uh, the expert of, or an expert of providing camp programs for children, I can't talk right now, (laughs) with cancer and their families, and the executive director at Discovery Camp. So Jennifer uh, I'm excited to have you here. We did get in a little bit onto the foundational side mm-hmm. uh, of what happened here. So what is, I know you've got different camp programs. Can you quickly Correct. go over those oh, yeah. and tell me what they are? 
certainly our our flagship program when I started talking about Camp Discovery that was that's our flagship program it's a week-long residential camp um, for the campers themselves um, during the it's in July every year one week long um, and um, then we have we have nine total programs but I'll just tell you about the the big three or four um, so Camp Discovery is our flagship program our next biggest program is Camp Bravehearts, which is our, we bring camp into the children's hospitals in San Antonio. And it was, um, that one was started by one of our Camp Discovery campers um, who expressed to Joey that she missed camp one year because she got real sick and had to go in the hospital right before camp. And he took her, all of her camp gear and backpack and t-shirt and all that stuff the week after camp. And she said, well, you just need to have camp in the hospital for kids who are too sick. And so, he got on it and within a year we we had started Camp Bravehearts and now we have hold 12 sessions a year at the three children's hospitals in San Antonio at Christus Children's, Methodist Children's Hospital and University Hospital and we have four sessions at each hospital um, pretty much once a month when we have one coming up in a couple weeks but we we take elements of a summer camp into the hospital it gives the the kids a chance to to get out of their rooms and to just just be a kid. Start a campfire, that kind of stuff, yes. right? Yeah. yeah. In well, the hospital, we, we have, we have a, a little one that's flames, and, right. you know, it's it's cool. And we've got a, a tent and fishing and arts and crafts and music and all, all sorts of stuff. Um, but then our other um, bigger programs are we have um, family camp, which is a weekend camp for the child with cancer and their entire family. Um, and then another very special camp that we have is Camp Firefly which is our weekend camp for families who have lost a child to cancer. And that one is just that um, they're all very near and dear to my heart, but that one is extra special because it just gives those families a a place where they can come and have a safe space Mm -hmm. to tell their story and just to be real about what happened in their lives and to connect with other families who have gone through the same type of ordeal that they have. Because as, as they have told us that, you know, when your kid's in the hospital, you've got social workers, you've got child life specialists, you've got nurses, you've got doctors, you have all the support services, but then your child dies and that just all goes away. Is and there they, a lot of grieving as a community in that type of thing or what, what's the vibe there at, at Camp Firefly? I mean, it's, it's very similar to program-wise as our regular family camp, mm-hmm. but it's just hearing the families come together and just hearing them talk to one another. We don't have, it's not heavy. We don't have like therapy okay. sessions or anything, but we do have uh, optional sessions where the fam- the parents can come and just talk about their story and what happened. And then another parent will say, oh, that happened to my kid too, and here's what we did. And and they just, they, they make, we started doing um, Camp Firefly in 2017, and we have families that have come every single year because they it, they've built such a community there with other families who have gone through the same type of really just are they paying for that or is it like funded no every one of our programs is provided at no cost to the children or their families and so that's why we we rely 100 percent on on contributions from the community and foundations and businesses and things like that so the families pay not a penny for any of our programs and this past saturday jennifer and i were at a fundraiser and, mm-hmm. and the organization raised money for us. And we have several organizations that will raise money. And then in addition to that, we don't just rest on our laurels. We made a, an art piece, a painting, with the kids at Camp Discovery last summer. 
that sold for $10,000 this past Saturday night. And that money goes to help mm -hmm. fund future campers. So, so raising money be a f raising money is a full-time job, I, oh, I would think, yeah. right? I've become quite quite the right. grant writer. And, <laughs> wow, that's yeah. pretty impressive. And you would think and that all nonprofits have a compelling story. They're all different. And you would think that people would fall all over themselves to give. But... Uh, sometimes, you know, you, you, something happens in your life and then that triggers, you know what, maybe I do need to support an organization. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, um, it's almost like you care about it, but it's not on your radar until something happens in your family or with a close, close loved one. Mm -hmm. And then things change. Then all right. of a sudden you want to, you, you, then you're like, okay, what can I do? Really do something impactful and meaningful. And what I tell entrepreneurs uh, we are talking business, is if you're in your 20s and 30s and just starting a business, get started with philanthropy right away. Because if you keep saying, well, when I get older, when I get gray hair like Mark, when I become you know successful in my business, then I'm going to start giving. Chances are you might do that, but more, but you, you're not, you're going to miss a big opportunity to, to have a, a, a meaningful life early on and really advance not only a nonprofit cause, but also improve your business by connecting with people at a whole different level. Right. So what kind of stuff you got going on now? Um, as far as, you know, fundraising and your outreach efforts? Um, I have a whole calendar of for the year for grant writing of because they're all due at different times of the year. And so every month I have, I got to do these grant um, um, applications this month. And then we have, like Howie said, we have several really um, generous um, people who have come alongside us that, that put on fundraisers for us. Um, like the one we went to this, this weekend, we have a couple of different people that put on golf tournaments for us. Um, but we- Yeah, Discovery Camps doesn't do its own gala or event. No, we we did, we've done a couple of Heroes Lunches to honor some of the big donors. Right. But it's not necessarily a fundraiser. We, yeah. The board decided that, you know, we we rather promote ourselves through others and and tell the story, which we've done a mm -hmm. very good job of doing, and and so we just continue to do that, and 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 people connect, they and connect, we, and they give. We even have um, like campers. We've had campers that uh, they do a uh, fundraiser at their school during September, which is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. Or we have another one of our campers who just graduated this last summer. She's in the DECA program at her high school, which is, um, I'm not exactly, I can't remember what that's, right. what, what the acronym stands for, but it's, yeah, I barely it's, got it's business, school, so. it's, it's like training them in business, people who are interested in going into business once they are out of, out of school. But, but she, at her school, she's doing this, a project and, and she's going to do a fundraiser for us. What I'm not sure what it's all going to look like, but but so we have campers. Um, and it's that, important to note that a lot of the counselors were are either board members or past campers. We're very very proud of the fact that I mean we've we've been in existence since 1984, um, and over since we we took over from the American Cancer Society in 2013 when they decided, uh, nationwide, they the ACS decided they weren't going to do camp programs anymore. They were going to focus more on research and other things. But we took, so that's when our nonprofit took over uh, in 2013. Since we've been keeping track for the last 10 years, every single year, over 50% of our volunteers are former campers who 
they've experienced what camp offers them firsthand and now they're old enough to volunteer and they want to come back and give give back what they received when they were campers and so it's, that it's is very it's and very unique it's not found i mean the, we, you the, guys have been to these national or or uh oh yeah camp uh camp what is it conferences Coca? conferences co- yeah, yeah of uh of oncology camps in north america and and we're proud to say we you know we're always held up high on a pedestal from mm-hmm. not only from that that turnaround and and raising money and and expanding programming but also in that participation from past cancer survivors yeah. that were campers that come back and become counselors and things so, like that. This past summer, 56% of our volunteers were former campers and overall around I think it was 69 or 70% of our volunteers are cancer survivors. Not all of them were were children when they had cancer, but but so that's that that does so much when you're 7 years old and it's your first time away from mom and you're sick and you're at camp. But three of your four counselors in your cabin that you used to come to camp, and what was it like when you were here? And yeah. so they can relate and yes, really, really yes. well. And it it also provides an incredible amount of hope for these kids when they, you know, because they see adults it's, it's, that have made it. It's and scary. Been, you you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know even if I go into remission. I know my friend who was at camp last summer is not at camp this summer because they re- they had a relapse and they passed away. And so that's always in the back of their mind. And it's always, you know, whether even if they're in remission, they don't know if that's going to if they're going to have effects throughout their lives for from from this cancer. So seeing their counselors who have made it past that and are adults and have a productive life. And and it's like I can do that. That gives me that gives me hope. That gives them a tremendous amount of hope. Share with Mark just briefly. I know it's a private ceremony. But what happens at camp? Because you mentioned there are some kids that oh, the relapse ceremony? and then yeah, and then they pass away and then they're not at camp. And sometimes the kids don't find out until they're right. at camp. Yes. Okay. And which, so I've been to the camp at summer camp and a couple of times I've experienced what Jennifer's gonna talk about. And you talk about why do people connect? Listen to what Jennifer's gonna tell you about this. Every every Tuesday during the week of camp we have um, a remembrance ceremony and it's not required if the kids don't want to go to it they can stay in their cabin but but probably at least 75 percent of the campers go to the remembrance ceremony and it's just a time to remember the campers who um, sometimes they were at camp the year before sometimes it's been years um, since they were there but if they're a former camper or staff member that has passed away um, during the year we have a uh, a special time to remember them and and kids have a and staff have a, a chance to to talk about their memories of that person and then we we do a balloon release at, at the at the end of the remembrance Write notes, ceremony sing and, songs and you know yeah and and that is very difficult when because a lot of times sometimes the kids don't know that what happened to their friend i don't know if they you know if they just if their family's on vacation this week and they're just not able to come to camp or did something happen to them? So sometimes they they don't know before, before they get to camp, and that's that's just it's always really emotional and and hard. But and then we have carnival that night to right. to help lighten the mood. Lighten <laughs> you know? I was gonna say I, so. I, I, had, I had a quick story to to lighten the mood a little bit, but I even got a little choked up thinking about that because I've been at those ceremonies and uh, like oh you know very tough to get through. Um, so my kids, you know, since I, I I've been on the board or volunteering since. 
before this board took over when I was with the American Cancer Society as a volunteer. But then I got on the board early. And mm -hmm. so my kids all went to donor day with me on the Thursday of camp. And mm -hmm. so they'd always go to camp and they'd see the kids and play around with the kids and, and know that the kids have cancer. And we talked about it on the way up to Curve, on the way back, on the way to Morgan's Wonderland camp, whatever. So we always talked about it. So the first year that I was taking them, I put them into camp at Camp Young Judea in Wimberley, totally different camp. Mm -hmm. So I signed them up and I said, hey, you know, you guys are going to camp for the summer. So we were driving up there and Nikki, who's now 15, then was eight. And she asked me, she goes, do I have cancer? And I oh, said, no. She goes, so then why am I going to camp? That was go, the only a, kind go, of camp there I go, is. I go, yeah, I go, it's a different camp. <laughs> wow. I didn't, I didn't explain, but you know, mm -hmm. so you're right. When kids, I mean, they get stuff in their head and they have no idea. Right. And, and they, they don't know how to process these things. Right. Wow. I would it's hope different. you wouldn't tell your kid that uh, that way. That <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Well, we're out of time on that segment. But, Jennifer, oh. if folks want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Um, they can uh, contact me directly. Um, if they want to just check out our, our um, organization, our website is www.discoverycamps.org. Um, our social media is Discovery Camps. Mm -hmm. Yeah, at Discovery at Camps. At Discovery Camps TX, I yeah, think. Yeah, TX, right. And Instagram is just at Discovery Camps. Um, Awesome. And people yeah. can get plugged in how? What do we need? Um, first and foremost, monetary donations. Um, just like I said, none of our, none of our um, programs cost anything to the families. But if you have a business that you think that you want to do a fundraiser at your business for us, um, or you think that your business has something that, that would be fantastic where you could plug into us or donate something that we might need for camp, please contact me and, and just, we, we love getting the community more involved. Right. Um, Party City, uh, for a few years now, uh, the month of October mm -hmm. gives us a percentage of their sales. Yes. And, so and go buy so your that, Halloween costumes at Party yeah, City. Yeah, you know, so there's, there's things like that, yeah. you know. Um, South Texas Blood and Tissue Center right. raised over $50,000 for us yeah. this year. Yeah. T-Bone and, and at uh, Hope Hits Harder raised mm -hmm. 70000 I think. So. So, yeah, fund a camper and, and, and let us sell the RPs there. So there's a lot of ways to plug in. Uh, the, the Schneider family does their golf tournament, mm -hmm. and they do it in, in, in memory of their son who passed away from cancer, and mm -hmm. they do a golf tournament every year and raise tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah. Can I ask a question? Yes. Certainly. How much does it cost to send a kid to camp? It costs, it depends on how you break down the numbers, but <clears throat> probably around $2,000. $2,000 for a week for of a camp. For a week, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. which is considerably less than what it costs to send a kid to camp. Now, sometimes camp is a little longer to go to a regular camp. Sure. But you, you have to imagine, we, we, one, we're very efficient with our, the use of our money. But two, we have a, a oncology nurses, docs. Yeah. I mean, and a lot of them, they're all volunteers. Oh, yeah. We have doctors and nurses. That, I mean, we have a full infirmary full of healthcare professionals that volunteer, take off a week from work and volunteer to come take care of these kids yeah. while they're And there camp. is a donor day so you guys can come out to camp. If you if you've donated yeah. at least $5,000 or $5,000 worth of whatever, right. then you get your name on the camp t-shirt and and you're invited to come to donor day during the week of camp to to come see the kids in action and see what it's yeah. all about. So. Cool. All right, well thank you Jennifer, I appreciate you're it. Thanks for giving me a chance to tell my story. You bet. Good one too.
Next up on the show is Michael Goldberg, the owner of Efficient Fleets, a company that specializes in GPS tracking services. So, Michael, welcome back. Thank you, Mark. You know, one of my favorite things to watch on TikTok are these road rage drivers, right? So that's why <laughs> I totally appreciate the the you know the cameras that are in there. So, um, so what's new? You've been on a few times. What's uh, what did you want to hit on today? <laughs> kind of open field there. The uh, you know one thing we always like to talk about are cameras. Um, it's probably our um, biggest thing. You know, we do GPS tracking. We track commercial vehicles. We track um, construction equipment, trailers, those sort of things. Mm-hmm. And um, but cameras are are really the uh, kind of the hottest thing, and it's it probably has the biggest impact, you know, on a company. And uh, so yeah, I like to talk about that and how they're helping our customers and and uh, you know good ways to implement them. So, so the camera thing, why is it important? I mean, you know. Personal injury attorneys have to take somebody else's word for it, and then whatever is that is that part of the deal? Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, in, in, for most of our customers, it's liability. It's making sure you have video in case of an accident, and so if there is one, God forbid, then you have something to, to show and, and to look at, and uh, and then of course hoping to prevent the accident by you know keeping keeping the drivers you know safe, make sure they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. Oh, that's a good point. So where are the cameras pointing? Are they pointing to the road? Are they pointing to the employees, to the drivers, both? So, and you can choose, you know, typically you have a camera point at the road in front. um, And then you can also have one point at the driver, but you don't have to have one on the driver. You can just have one pointing at the road in front. And of course, in that case, you're just going to get the the front of the vehicle. And and when you're doing it that way, uh, with just a a road facing camera, then really it's a lot about, uh, you know, evidence in case of an accident. So you can see what happened in front of the vehicle and um, you know, kind of go from there. You also have cameras. So you, I've seen one of your setups before, right, where you've got cameras pointing at different areas of like a semi or something like that, oh, yeah. especially those big rigs. Tell me about that. Yeah, so we do also cameras around the vehicle. That's also if you have a big truck, the bigger the truck, the bigger the target. So, and of course, you have a lot of blind spots, a lot of things you can't see around the vehicle. And uh, so you want to put cameras on the sides and the rear so you can have coverage, you know, in a sense in 360 degrees. You know, a lot of these big trucks, you know, it's amazing. You know, they have blind spots and people just, you know, maybe change a lane and run right into them. And of course, without a camera, you know, it's usually they're going to be the commercial driver's fault in that case. And, uh, but it can save them thousands and thousands of dollars in, you know, in premiums. Oh, that's a good point. Are there studies that show that, that if you don't have cameras to defend your position? Because I've seen camera footage, not necessarily from your cameras, but things on- online where people will on purpose run into a truck so that they could get their big payday. Absolutely. Yep. And I don't have statistics. I'm sure there are. You know, there's, there's probably plenty of them. Uh, but I'll just give you a good story. Uh, one of our customers is actually based in the Valley in, in McAllen in Edinburgh, Texas. They are a, a fuel hauling comp- a fuel hauler. And so they have about 10 trucks that haul fuel. And they put cameras in initially because their drivers reporting people trying to do just that. They were trying to cut them off and get hit by them. And um, and so that's I mean just a huge problem. I, you can you can imagine why. And so they have cameras, you know, uh, on the sides of the vehicle in front, um, and have you know to record anything. And and uh, so yeah, it does happen. It's 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 incredible. Yeah. Well, like with so I was a cop for thirty years, right? And I was around when we didn't have body cameras and car cameras. Now we've got all of it. And I remember when I was working internal affairs when cameras were coming out. And it was like, it was a big deal. I saw the huge positive of it because the overwhelming majority of complaints against officers are not, are unfounded. Yeah. The, the cops doing the right thing. But when you have a camera, now you have this third party impartial yeah. view of what's going on. And when it comes to the commercial trucking industry, for example, when they can be victims of these people that are just trying to instigate something. Oh, yeah. This is a huge, it's almost like 
body cams are for cops now. It's like required. If you don't have it, people are right. like, where is it? Right. right. I would think 100%. of that for the commercial trucking industry as well. Uh, is it's not a requirement, I'm guessing, but no. I mean, how soon can they make it a requirement? It sounds like it's a no-brainer. The uh, you know on the federal level, with, when it comes to interstate trucking, you know, I, I don't know how much is being tried to be implemented. Uh, I think that's still very controversial to to force it, but insurance companies are forcing it. There you go. Um, so it's not so much coming from the government side as much as it's coming from com- from insurance. So we have customers, unfortunately, that are. You know, because especially in Texas, with liability being so high and these nuclear verdicts they're calling where they're having millions and millions and millions of dollars in judgments for, in, in some cases, like fender benders. Um, and they could just be astronomically high. Uh, there are some customers of ours that are either they, they will not get a, a new insurance policy unless they get cameras. I mean, they simply won't get renewed. So they're having to put in some kind of camera or tracking system uh, to, to, uh, to reduce liability. And others are just seeing their rates go up. Uh, because it's just you know everyone has to pay the cost, right. and so it really kind of you know, it really kind of depends on on your uh, uh, how bad you, your your rates have been or how bad your drivers have been accident claims it really affects each individual company. Uh, but we're just seeing more and more people being forced to do it, and they're having to put them in. So yeah, insurance is playing a huge role, and especially in Texas, other states yeah. a little less. But. And Michael, how does uh, how does keeping truckers logs tie into efficient fleets and what you guys do, what you provide? That's a great question. So we do. We do electronic logging devices. Uh, we represent a company called OmniTrax and another one called TruckX, and they are uh, electronic log de- uh, ELD providers, electronic logging devices. And so uh, we we provide the service and the system for the truckers to install it. Uh, because that is a law, right? You do have to law. log. That okay. is a law. That's that's a federal requirement and a state requirement, a, a Texas state requirement. So if you're if you fall within those rules, uh, then you have to have an electronic logging device. Um, cameras, of course, are not are not required by that, but uh, in the trucking business, especially if you're if you're uh, an eighteen wheeler that kind of truck, um, you know, they're just very common to have them because liability is just so high. Um, so they have both; they have the ELD and they have the camera. And they, of course, they you know when there's an incident, uh, they usually want records from everything. Um, and if you're if you're a commercial truck driver and you have an electronic log, um, if you get into an accident, they're pulling your electronic logs. And they're going to take your, your camera video, of course. But, um, but they, so they, in that sense, they can go hand in hand that way. But we provide both as a local provider to, for ELDs. So. Well, how big of a deal is this becoming? Because I see cameras in personal vehicles all the time now, too. Oh, yeah. We have you know, ours. So what's the trend there? Um, you know, I think it's getting, you know, I don't know the numbers either. So we focus a lot on, on commercial. Um, but, you know, I think the, the adoption rate's probably in the 25 to 30%, maybe a little bit less than that uh, on, on, uh, on, um, on personal vehicles. We have them in all of our vehicles. Um, I think it's a great tool. I tell everyone to have them because, you know, you, you, uh, you just never know when something happens. Somebody, a lady, or I don't know if it was a lady, I should say, but someone came across a parking lot. Uh, and when I, was, when I was at your place, how we were still officing there, and uh, they weren't paying attention. And uh, luckily, I put my brakes on. I had a camera in the car, thank God. But um, they would have run right into me. And they just simply weren't paying attention. And it was just a personal vehicle. So uh, I think it's important. Otherwise, you have no, no evidence. You know? And it, really, it can really make a, a big difference in, in, uh, for personal as well. Well, what's insurance doing for that? Because that's, again, insurance, mm-hmm. it's, it's the money flow, right? It, we don't have to make a law on it. Yeah. If insurance is going to be like, look, you got to have this on there. Yeah. I think personal... Um, I don't, I don't think they're doing anything for it, to be honest, from what I'm oh. understanding. Um, it's the commercial that's getting hit hard. You know, they, me, the last, uh, the last, uh, last few weeks, I talked to a customer um, who had an accident, and they were being sued. It was a commercial uh, case. It was minor. Uh, I think it was about $900,000 what they were being sued for. Um, so uh, in commercial, you know, you're looking at a million dollars almost every time, you know, even if it's just minor. 
Um, you know, and so it really gets really, really high quickly. If they see, you know, if it's a big truck, if they see logos on it, whatever it is, you know, they just go after them big time. Because they know the policies are large. You know, those commercial policies are going to cover them for probably a million dollars at least. And, um, and so they're getting higher. The, the personal one, they're less, um, so they can't get as much. And I think it's hard to force individuals to say, you know, hey, you got to have a camera in your personal vehicle. So I, I really don't think they're getting much out of it, unfortunately. Um, but it's just good to have because yeah. you don't. I mean, other than the kids with their GoPros yeah. that are recording themselves speeding, yeah. right, <laughs> or racing, yeah. which I, yeah, yeah, yeah the, uh, trying to outrun the cops. Yeah, I mean, it's just you know you never know. I mean, if you get hit by one of them, and you know, and it's nice to know, even though it's, I mean, it's just going to make the whole case go away much quicker because you're going to have the evidence right away without it, without a lot of investigation. And that's what happens to our customers. Um, you know, they if they ask me what happens if it's my fault, you know, my guy was doing a bad thing. Um, well, in this case, you know, they're going to find out anyway. It's just going to take longer to find out. And, and you'll, be able to end it. you'll be able to end it right away. You'll be able to go in there. You'll be able to save time and money on, on depositions, fighting insurance. You'll know right away it was your fault. You can coach your driver, maybe you know, make some corrections and move on with life and not battle for two years. Because it'll take two or three years of back and forth. And you'll, and you'll I mean, how much time is, and money is wasted doing that? Um, so that, that's, that's the other advantage. It helps end all that quickly. Right. Makes sense. Well, um, I know that tracking is a big thing. People track on their phones. They track kids. They track each other. All these other things. Uh, but is this is this kind of like Big Brother, George Orwell, nineteen eighty four? Is it like you know? I know that in some countries um, outside the U.S., some in Europe, and some in the Far East, there's less cops on the street, but the cops are watching hundreds if not thousands of cameras in, in, in an area of town and the minute something happens there's somebody there is that is that what we're going towards um, well I hope not but in, in this case I don't call big brother I call small brother it's your small boss brother. watching it. okay <laughs> small brother small brother I like that um, and you know and so it's not connected to anybody you know, these are all into the each individual account for the customer um, so there's the privacy is there um, you know it's it's not being blasted you know nobody can just access it without you know, inf- you know permission you know you have to have warrants and all those sort of things unless you give it up willingly um, so yeah that's why it's just really called small brother you're really in this case it's companies you know watching their drivers watching their employees yeah. and and doing that sort of thing so that's really what, what that is but yeah it's so there's yeah. a story that uh, that I have and we could do it without company names because that client that company might might still be my client but I have a client that has trucks has drivers and so I referred them to Michael years ago and the owner of that company said, oh, I don't need to track. My drivers have been with me for years. I don't need to track them. I know what they're doing, et cetera. And then he tried it with one truck and then expanded. But he ended up finding out some things that he had no idea were happening. And they were kind of big. They involved taking materials, being somewhere where they're not supposed to be, even though they're on the clock. So does that happen often? Oh yeah, it happens a lot. You know, it's you know with GPS tracking and all of our cameras. I would like to mention have GPS trackers built into them, so it's not just a camera with you know with that you know live video and that sort of thing. It's got a tracker built in, um, so you can use that to do everything. Um, you know, is it's a, you know theft of, of services. You know, going off and doing side jobs. You know, if it's a plumber, electrician. You know, if it's landscaping. You know, they just come back later and do it for half the price, or just do the the next door guy. You know, and and cheat that way. Um, an incident, we got a call from a customer today. It's been a, a long-time customer. Uh, they're a roofing company, so they got crews going around and all kinds of stuff. Um, and this is something that I didn't think about initially when, when we were putting cameras in. 
Um, but there was an incident on the road. Their, their guy, there's three guys in the truck, uh, had an argument with somebody else on the highway. And so, you know, and who's, who's right and who's wrong? So now he's pulling back video and he's able to prove, you know, what's wrong. And, you know, I don't know if it's his guy's fault or the other one's fault, yeah. but either way, it's probably not too good. But now he has video. It's just like having a camera in the restaurant. Uh, or in your store. You know, if you got a crew of, of guys, especially a crew of people in there, you really need to know what's going on because all kinds of things happen. You know, drinking, uh, you know, doing drugs in the vehicle. That's right. another thing we get. They're, they're smoking in the car, that kind of stuff. And, and that's really, you know, that's just an accident waiting to happen. And so that's the other benefit. It's sort of, it's sort of a human resource management um, on the on immobile, immobile version of that. And, and so that's the other part, too, mm -hmm. as well. So. Yeah, great stuff. Yeah. Cool. All right, Michael, if people want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Well, then go to EfficientFleets.com. Uh, and they get a hold of us at 888-777-4510. And they can call on person number one and reach me. Sweet. Well, thank you very much, Michael. I appreciate it. Thanks for All right. Back. As we wrap up the show, quick reminder, check out our latest podcast or catch video versions of the show anytime by visiting our website at satalkradio.com. That's going to be it for us for this week's. Thanks, everybody. Y'all did yeah. a great job. Thank you all. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you again.